Welcome back to another episode of Heavy Wireless. Heavy Wireless is a podcast that's part of the Packet Pushers podcast network. And today we're talking about a problem that I've seen in my career for at least 20 years. As Wi-Fi engineers, when we design wireless solutions, sometimes we should have been in earlier in the design process and we're kind of an afterthought. So I thought I would bring on Kelly Burroughs, who gave a presentation at WLPC on how, as Wi-Fi or wireless engineers, we can work with architects better. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Keith. It's great to be here. So I, in a previous life, decades ago, I used to do commercial real estate and built lots of things. And I've worked with architects for years. I'm admitting I'm quite old. The CAD was just kind of a new thing. In one of your presentation, you mentioned a file format that we could use from the Wi-Fi side, from the wireless side, that would help us get in a little bit early in, into the architectural cycle. So I thought I'd bring you on to talk about not just that, but what's the problem that we need to solve by working closer with architects? Yeah, makes sense, Keith. And I can certainly talk about the file format, but maybe I'll just like back up and maybe talk about like what I see kind of, or we're seeing as the root of the problem and that's really kind of driving this need to get more efficient in how we collaborate between the two domains. So I think, you know, when it comes to designing wireless and it comes to designing buildings, they both have one thing in common, which is they're both designing for the end user experience, right? And traditionally, I think that end user experience in wireless has been, I'm standing somewhere inside a building and I want five bars of connectivity so I can, you know, take a phone call or send a selfie or picture to someone or send video, right? And that need has kind of kept shifting over the years. And I think in today's world, what we're seeing with more of a push towards smart connectivity, right? You get these smart buildings and smart cities and kind of smart everything around us that end user expectations are shifting with that and how they expect to kind of engage with how they live and they work and how they engage with their surroundings around them inside of a building is shifting away from, hey, I just need five bars to I need these blinds to adjust to me. Do I need this thermostat to adjust to me? And I want this, you know, wireless dog to bring me a coffee. So I think in the past, whereas the focus was just on delivering that good wireless design in a building, it's now a much larger vision uh, around an end user experience that involves more of the building and, and the entire environment within their in. And I think that's really where the topic of today's podcast, we're talking about architects and wireless where they start to intersect a little bit more because there needs to be a much more holistic approach. Otherwise, you're going to end up with these buildings where the connectivity isn't really considered as part of the original building design. And as you said, it's going to be considered an afterthought. And so how do we get to deliver these you know, end user experiences if we don't collaborate better? How are we going to be able to deliver them? And not just deliver them, but deliver them efficiently and probably cost effectively, which is just as important too. So I I think that's what's really driving the need more and more these days. I totally agree. I've been working on a couple of projects lately where we're in eight, nine, 10 months before the ground breaks even, and part of the design cycle. And I get a set of CADs from the architect and they have layers for everything. They've hired sound engineers to design the electrical, there's an entire, what, four or five, maybe 10 layers of different electrical things, high voltage, low voltage lighting. And I'm like, why don't we have a Wi-Fi layer? Well, exactly, right? I think it's considered like a utility these days. It's just as important in building construction as the electricity, the water supply, the sewage, the gas, HVAC, 
all of these things are considered when you're designing a building. The architects take all of these things into consideration, but you're right, the wireless is missing and it, and it is a utility and it, it should be a layer within that file. And I think that's part of what the issue now is where, and it goes back to, you know, when you introduce talking about file format, we're working off of two different kind of models and file formats right now. And in fact, this need to kind of collaborate is what drove the construction industry to adopt the BIM file format as kind of the industry standard or the IFC because now they all work off of the same model and they just layer in their parts and they all have visibility. But if you look at the, you know, wireless world, you know, IB Wave is a tool, but there's other tools on the market, definitely, but we're all standalone, right? So you are not part of that integrative kind of process of designing a building. You're using a wireless network design software, which has its own file formats and usually standalone documentation, which you can't then share back to the architecture. So I think that's, you know, a piece um, that we're working on to try to solve is, is how can we drive better collaboration with tools that can talk to each other, basically. You work at IB Wave, and IB Wave obviously has its own file format. Have you found a way to translate or integrate your format with a standard? We're working on it. So right now in IB Wave in beta is the ability to import a BIM file so we can take that file from these kind of A&E companies and import it into IB Wave, which means you now have the model as is. So you don't need to go through the modeling. Um, and then you can layer in your wireless components and run the prediction. Now, what piece of it we don't have, which represents a larger vision, is how to take that back out and then share it back to those communities so that everyone has the same vision of the building and it becomes more of a, a living document versus these standalone do the design, put it on the shelf, maybe use it to upgrade the network when it needs it. But there's a lot of different moving parts in these buildings and how they're going to evolve. So I think it's not about how you can just import and work on it. It's how you can export and then collaborate on it going forward as well. There's feedback loops. Especially for, you know, four or five, 10 years in the future, when we want to go look at those as-built drawings, Yes, if it's a living document for the construction people who did it, they'll have the most accurate data. And ours is just a snapshot of time when we went and put in the APs and pulled cables for those and then we're done. Yeah, that's it. And I think it's even more important, you know, there's Wi-Fi, but I think, you know, everyone's kind of seeing the convergence that's happening right now in the market with Wi-Fi and private networks. And so it's no longer just let's implement a Wi-Fi network and it's kind of one and done and we're done for the next two years until we want to upgrade it. We're going to put in a really solid Wi-Fi network, but you know, maybe in six months, we're going to want to layer in private, you know, 5G for the parking lot or, um, you know, layer in a private LT for some more mission critical apps. So the need for that living document post installation, I think is just going to become more and more important for several different reasons. And there is a standards group, Bixie, that does mostly layer one cabling, and they have a standard for Wi-Fi, which I think was ludicrous, but I understand where they came from. It was like every seven meters, drop in two Cat7 cables in a grid. If you're the cable sales guy, that's a good deal. (laughs) And then their idea was you have a 10 meter service loop and a seven meter grid, you should be able to do anything in the future. My customers think that's nice to follow a standard. But that's a really, really expensive solution. And you really don't know where things are going to, you know, especially when you're doing a design and you haven't even looked at the Wi-Fi. They go, oh, we got enough cables. You can do anything. It's not just anything. There's specific things. And you mentioned private cellular. There's also the whole IoT bit. 
And part of the smart building is it's not all Wi-Fi. There's a lot of protocols we're going to have to carry. They all demand some sort of backhaul. Absolutely. And, you know, all of these different kind of IoT devices are being installed by different parties, right? The smart heating person is not necessarily a person doing, I don't know, the smart blinds and all of these different moving installation teams. And, you know, it's really important to have visibility into what one another doing. And there's the risk that they're all kind of doing their own site surveys, for example, right? And if somebody installs something over here, well, it can impact how somebody else can do something over here. So if you don't have that live view of what's happening, I think you can run into a lot of issues in terms of cost and and efficiencies. I was at a warehouse install last month and we're on site teaching people how to install the warehouse directional APs, but there's some warehouses have offices. So we went in the office to make sure, you know, it was standard office. We're just going to put APs in a certain pattern to have the workers. And while we were there, the smart blind guys were installing their 2.4 gig blind controllers. And I'm like, well, what frequency are you on here? And what's what's the protocol? And I go, I don't know. They didn't even know the protocol. There's just like, it's, it, it's this little button and it works up and down. And luckily, the customer did not need any 2.4 in the office space. They did require 2.4 in, in the warehouse. So we had to measure how far is that going to impact. It's not going to be finished for another five months. I would have just shown up after the fact going, where is all this interference coming from? Right. And that is the perfect example of, uh, you know, why we need this. Because this happens all the time, I'm sure. You know, that's a great example from the field. So what have you found as a process? I'm in the States and years ago, I used to work with architects a lot in commercial. And we dealt with the AIA. And you're in Canada and you also work internationally. Are there any other groups of architects that are working on this kind of a standard that you had mentioned? BIM is a standard. Also, you see it a lot in Europe and in the APAC regions and then in the Americas. So it feels fairly internationally standard when it comes to modeling and the architecture design. They're all using, I think, similar tools. When you look at it, it's like Revit and AutoCAD or SketchUp. They all kind of produce these BIM type of files. So I think it's fairly standard internationally. So that's what we're seeing in terms of the organizations. I'm familiar with the AIA, but I'm I'm not sure which other ones are out there. I haven't looked too much into that. So how have you, as a vendor, and you work with a lot of uh, installers, I mean, that's that's who you market to, how have they found any way, any tricks to work with the architects to get in as soon as possible? You know, what's interesting is what we're seeing is we're seeing companies that are typically in the architecture and engineering space moving over into the wireless space. So we have customers that traditionally have always offered, let's say one of our customers did more of the electrical design for these buildings. So they're already working with the architects to do all of the electrical design and implementation installation work, right? And they saw an opportunity actually for them to take on the wireless design piece and bring wireless knowledge and expertise into their business so that they could offer it as an add-on service. And so that's what we're kind of seeing a little bit more is these companies in this space trying to expand their revenue opportunities essentially by offering this because they're also seeing the need for it as they're involved in the design and the development of these buildings you know, I think it's becoming a more obvious question. Hey, what about the wireless? We need to know. And then they're seeing it as an opportunity to do it themselves. And then they hire the expertise that they need. And so in this way, we're kind of seeing the two worlds already moving a little bit closer together, which I think is quite interesting. 
I just want to back up and, and talk about that BIM file integration. Yeah. Many times we don't get the actual CAD files. We get a PDF of the CADs. We bring the PDF into our design tool of choice and we do our wireless design. When you said you have that importability, is that like a CAD link or is there some intermediary that you have to go through to get it into your format? Nope. So uh, typically the output from like these different architectural tools um, like Revit outputs a Revit file, which is considered a BIM file, right? It's a .rvt. And so you can take that and import it into IBWave. So what the architect has kind of produced and what exists, you can bring it into IBWave. But you bring up a good point in that we'll say that I will say in North America, the access to those files is limited and the use of those files or getting access because I think the standardization of this is relatively new. So I think as the years start to go on, I think you'll see more the accessibility become more and more to these files. If you look to Europe and APAC, uh, you'll see this file format a lot more available. So we have customers in Europe who are we're really driving the need to have BIM import because that's how they get the files for these wireless designs. But in the Americas, I think it's less, but I think we'll see it become more. In my experience, it's been the architects don't want to give up the CADs from a copyright ownership. They don't want you messing with the original file. Is this RVT file one way? You can bring it in, but you can't copy it and and do something else with it. For now. So for now, you can bring in that model, you layer in your wireless, but I think the larger vision is that you would be able to push it back out in a file format that you can give visibility to the architecture side of things, right? And there's a lot of platforms that drive collaboration when you look to architecture and construction. They've got, I think, like uh, Trimble Connect or BIM 360, which is all collaborative platforms where you can push a model to. And then you have visibility. I can't necessarily change the material on a wall, but I can put a note in there and I can have visibility into where everything is. So perhaps taking the file and, you know, how you've designed the wireless and pushing it into one of these more collaborative kind of viewer would be a good place to start and still protect um, the original design aspects. I'm glad IB Wave is taking the lead and actually thinking through this because every building needs it. And yeah. in the world of wireless, we normally, most of our work, I, I just guess 80% is brownfield. I mean, Wi-Fi has been around for two decades, so we're going into upgrade Wi-Fi, but there still is that new construction model that we need. I was just watching a webinar a little while ago and they're like, well, what do you do when it's not built? You can't measure the walls. Yeah, that's true. And yet we still have to pull cables at that early stage. Yeah. So if you had visibility into exactly kind of the materials that those walls are going to be and where the layout, you know, all of the different design aspects are, uh, I think it could only be helpful, right? And to be part of that design, I think can benefit both sides. One of the techniques I've used is find the contractor ask them about a building that they build with like materials. You go to that building and measure it and then try to compare to the new building. I mean, you want to get as close as possible and yet it's in the file somewhere. It's just, we just don't have access to it. That's it. It's all about access and visibility, right? It starts there, I would say. I did want to ask another question because I thought it was kind of cute. One of the first time I've seen in a WLPC presentation, you presented with stick people drawings and it was so refreshing 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> what, made, what made you think of like, there's like a little person and they're pointing and what made you yeah. think of using that kind of a design? I always like to keep my presentations as playful and kind of interactive and fun as I can because it's just part of, you know, how I like to present. And I remember I was sitting there like, oh, what can I do for this presentation? And I don't know if you know, Keith, but I have kind of a series of these stickman wireless jokes out there. And I was just happened to be in PowerPoint and I was playing around with it. And I realized that my PowerPoint had this new functionality to be able to draw on it. And I never noticed it before. I don't know how long it's been there. I was like, this is kind of fun. I can do my jokes in here. And then I was like, wait a minute, this might be a really fun way to present at WLPC. So it came out fairly organically. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just thought it was a fun way to present and I'm glad to hear you liked it. It was unique and refreshing, and yet you tied it in with real data, maps, pictures, 3D drawings. So it was just the dichotomy between, oh, yeah, perfect font use to just, let me scribble this out, and and it seemed to work. Do you have any ideas of other things we can do in the future to make this collaboration with the architects and the contractors any better? You know, beyond kind of the platforms and the file formats and the you know, the technical, how can we share and give visibility? I think, you know, maybe there's knowledge that could be gained on both sides. You know, architects are not wireless engineers and wireless engineers are not architects, but they both kind of care about the same things for different reasons, right? So some examples I can think of is aesthetics. Aesthetics is a large concern when it comes to designing a building because you're designing again for the end user. And when it comes to designing the wireless, we all know aesthetics can be an issue, right? Uh, You get building owners who don't want the perceived as bulky wireless equipment, you know, in certain places in their buildings because of the aesthetics. And what happens is they start trying to hide (laughs) the wireless equipment. I think we've all seen, you know, how many wireless engineers do I see on Twitter, LinkedIn, posting images of where they've seen an access point, like hidden up behind some metal structure, right? And then they wonder why it's not actually performing. So I think there's overlap there and and maybe there's knowledge to understand, you know, on the RF side, the importance of aesthetics from an architecture perspective and vice versa, right? I sometimes get frustrated with that discussion Mm -hmm. because I've been with architects at the point of when we're going to install and they're like, you cannot put it here. You can't do this. And they're like, we don't allow ugly things. And then I point out, the fire alarms, the exits, the HVAC venting, the adapter that's on that automatic blinds that go down. And as you point each one of those things out, they're like, well, I had to because either it's code or it doesn't work unless it's this way. And I just want to say, that's my point. It's line of sight. We need to see it. It won't work otherwise. Yeah. And so I get frustrated when they say, well, it has to have aesthetics, but you're looking in the ceiling and you're like, but what about all those things? And they're like, we didn't have any control over those. Hey, my stuff should be in the same category. The best one is when they have the fire extinguishers, the little ones in the, in the ceiling that poke down. Yeah. And you're like, why do I see them? I mean, every hotel room has two or three or four of those you can see. And then on top of that, there's a little sign that says, don't use as a hanger because it will release. And so they make them even uglier. And the architect goes, well, they only work that way. I'm like, no, they would work above the ceiling. You would have a fire. It would fill in the whole ceiling, and then the roof would poof and drop and fall when they had enough water. It'd still put the fire out. And they're like, yeah, but that's really inefficient. My point. <laughs> exactly. And, and I mean, I think that speaks to the need of there's a knowledge gap there, right? Maybe, 
there's opportunity to educate architects on why it's important, you know, that we're, we're putting the access points where we're putting them because otherwise it just won't work, right? Or the materials and how the materials they design with impacts. The wireless is, an, is another commonality. We both care about it, but for different reasons. Hopefully our discussion today has helped some listeners to think more about BIMFile. We're going to have notes in the show notes, some links for you can go and do some more studying. But I wanted to thank you, Kelly, for one, bringing this up at WPC, and then two, spending the time on the podcast today. Uh, if someone wanted to get in contact with you, how would they? Best place is probably LinkedIn these days. I'm on Twitter at Kelly P. Burroughs, but I am uh, more on LinkedIn, I would say, these days. You could just look me up, Kelly Burroughs. IB Wave should be able to find me. Sounds great. Well, thanks for your time. You've been listening to another episode of Heavy Wireless Podcast, part of the Packet Pushers Podcast Network. We're glad you joined us today and look forward to talking with you in the future. Thanks for having me, Keith. Have a great day.